0: It's time for Moment of Truth with David Moses. Element. Element. Element FM. Welcome to Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses. You are listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa. And of course, anywhere across the country, if you download the Radio Player Canada app and type in 106.5 ELMNT-FM or 95.7 ELMNT-FM, listen on your device of choice, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. I'd like to welcome... Our first guest to the show today, Shay Vassar. Uh, She is a Brooklyn-based Cherokee Nation citizen and writer who focuses on film representation. She likes to drink coffee as well, and she's a Rogue One defender, I understand, and Oklahoma City Thunder fan. All right. Shay, welcome to the show today.
1: Yeah, thank you so much. Um, Yeah, I I like how you use my bio that has everything in it, all of my (laughs) tastes, so... (laughs)
0: And now you say you're a coffee drinker do you are you a are you a particular sort of coffee drinker do you have a a favorite
1: um well, lately I've just been getting the local coffee shop down the the street started roasting and they've been delivering to my doorstep uh mm-hmm. so i've I've been just making that in my you know little coffee mm-hmm. pot and and drinking it black It's really nice <laughs> <laughs> That's
0: great good to hear um you know, some people uh, aren't really strong coffee drinkers. They don't like the the heavy, bold taste. Other ones are a little more mild. So I guess, you drink it black. So, wow, that's great.
1: Yeah. I mean, sometimes I do want something a little bit more sugary. And, mm. you
0: know, it yeah. just
1: it depends on the day.
0: <laughs> right. Well, today's topic, I don't know if it's that sugary. Uh, we're going to be talking about a uh, parasite film that uh, came out and made quite a big stir. Uh, in the the film world, and at the Cannes Film Festival, of course, and uh, really, uh, really uh, has taken over uh, that whole film industry in terms of the awards and those kind of things that it that and the accolades that it has been receiving. But you took up a, a, a specific uh, 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 angle to cover this, and and I like you after reading the review that you did on the film. I, I, I too, and you were talking with Andrew, our our. Uh, Producer and Andrew is the one who saw it first, and he was telling me about the film. I had no idea, uh, just like you, that there was any reference or anything to do with uh, Native American, uh, you know, references in the film whatsoever. And I was a little surprised, just like you, to say, "What's this doing in a Korean film?" Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it piqued my interest, and I want to thank you once again because I had not ha- yet had a chance to see the film. So uh, by doing this interview, I of course had to go and watch the film. So. <laughs> um, I'm, glad you, I'm glad you came on to, to share this with us. So um, the, sh- the film, as we, uh, as we were mentioning, the director is Bong Jong-ho and he explores the naivety towards uh, Native American history and representation it's somewhat in the film. It's a story about two families, a very well-to-do family and a very uh, poor family uh, at the basic uh, story level. Um, it, it, it is, I must admit, uh, I was, I, I thought it was a very well done film, uh, just in terms of the story, the characters that were presented to us.
1: Oh yeah. It was definitely, uh, cinematic. I, I did enjoy a lot of, uh, the story and, and the complexities matched with the visuals. I thought it was a very well shot film. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, very much so.
0: Now, um, the other thing, though, maybe it's because I I had a, uh, um, I knew that that was in there, the Native American uh, elements. Um, I I didn't, I I wasn't as surprised or I wasn't as offended uh, upon seeing the elements that were in there. Although I did have questions around it. And I, I did have some real questions about, in retrospect, and just thinking about it again today is, why was it there? Was it necessary to be there? And 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 then I, I'm thinking about why. What is the what is it actually saying uh, about uh, Native American uh, history, characters, uh, and 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 all of the rest of those things that we know uh, that happened to Native American people? Um, you know, what is it saying? why has he included it in, in this film that, that is important to these two, these two, uh, families. And that's what I was left puzzling. And I have, I have, I did come up with something today. I don't want to, I don't want to say that right now. I'd like to talk more about your uh, perspective and your take on this.
1: Yeah. So, um, like I, like you mentioned, I, I didn't even know, um, I, I love, Watching films, I you know, am a film journalist first and foremost, but I'm really bad at getting to um, screenings because mm. I'm so busy, mm. um, and so when I finally, someone was like, wow, you know, I, have you seen Parasite? I want to know your, your point of view of it, and I was like, oh, you know, I haven't seen it yet, and they're like, but there's Native American aspects <laughs> in it, and I was like, oh, and it immediately went to the top of my list because… <laughs> Um, I was like, "Oh, I need to know, especially in in you know a foreign film and a Korean film. You don't, you don't get a lot of that. It's usually uh, American filmmakers putting something in, and and you know I'll, I'll look at it there, mm. but um, mostly American. I, I mean, I know you're in Canada. So sorry.
0: <laughs> yeah, no worries.
1: Um, but it's um,
0: it's all Turtle Island, right? Uh,
1: exactly. We're all on <laughs> Turtle Island, and um, so I've even I. I started back looking at, you know, John Ford Westerns and I've kind of done a very deep dive into the history of uh, Native Americans and the way that we've been portrayed in cinema. So when I went into Parasite, um, I went in with a very specific lens Mm. and um, my, my ultimate takeaway was that unless you know about the history of Native people, of Indigenous people, Specifically in North America, then you might not get why it's in the film, Mm. and and so it brought up like a very interesting question. Um, I had a I had a lot of um, people on Twitter. Somehow people got like went to my website and found my email. I was getting all sorts of um, responses to my article, which at this point has been viewed over seventy seven thousand times. So it was like a big, you know kind of, it went a little viral, I guess, like, which of course I, I didn't write it for that aspect, but it was crazy that even after other people had mentioned the native aspects and, um, I, I ended up seeing the film in October or November, you know, in the film had been out in different places since, since Khan mm-hmm. earlier that year. So the fact that I was the first journalist to really address the, um, the young son's, native obsession Mm. was kind of surprising to me, um, just because no one had thought about having any other indigenous writers talk about it. And it's such a big part of the film, despite, um, you know, when I mention it to some people, they're like, there's native aspects in the film? I don't remember (laughs) that. And I'm like, it's kind of a big (laughs) part of the film. so, you know, so, it,
0: if I can jump in, maybe that was his point. Maybe that's it. maybe that's what Bang Zhang was trying to say. You know, uh, is that you don't even notice it. You know, you, you, don't even, exactly. you don't even notice it. Just like you said in the article, um, you know, it's not taught in in schools as it is. You know, not not correctly, at least in 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 Canada either about the Native history. And uh, in most in many cases, most people are not. Uh, you know. I think they're becoming more aware to some degree, but a lot of people never thought of Amer- Native Americans were still around. It was history.
1: Exactly. You know, we're usually put in the historical past. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's very interesting to see uh, the way it was used for the the commentary on just class warfare. Yeah. Um, because we're always in class warfare. So that mm-hmm. is is always an issue. Um, you know, we look at even what's going on now with COVID-19 and, and we're seeing kind of some of those those areas where um, governments have not upheld their their side of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it's and it's class warfare, which is exactly what Parasite is commenting on. So it's mm-hmm. it is in a way, it is as a native person, I see the natural connection between native imagery and class warfare, um, but my biggest critique was that if people um, in the United States and Canada, which is you know we're such a big audience for cinema, and, and including foreign cinema, if if we our general populations of these countries do not understand the basic history of of people who are indigenous to our lands, will the rest of the world catch on to what? Is being stated in the film.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, I'm glad you mentioned that uh, about not just the class warfare, but but it, it kind of links into what I was I was getting at. What I I sort of uh, came to uh, with the film a bit today, and but but it doesn't answer all my questions about about how it's being treated or or, or the point. And, and and that is that you have this you have this family this and here's the, there's the, the catch. It's the, the, the family that is not doing well, that is right. given an opportunity through someone, uh, the son's friend, uh, to come and work for the family. And immediately he has this opportunity, but he, he, he immediately sees an opportunity to bring his sister in, posing as someone else. And the whole relationship starts to deteriorate in terms of... Uh, uh, of just this facade of, of what is going on. And I thought, well, isn't that interesting? It's kind of like what Europeans did.
1: Yeah. It <laughs> came no, in, <laughs> right. It's exactly what they did.
0: They came in and yeah, we're going to, yeah, man, you're going to have it forever. You're, you know, you're going <laughs> to have the war. It's going to be great. And, and that's what this, but, but that's what really gets me. Cause it, cause it's the, it's the poor family that is, as, as you, you pointed out and as we, as even said in the film, they are, they're well-to-do, but they're, they're naive. Um, they're gullible. Um, so what is that saying about Indigenous people? You know, were, were, were they, were we gullible? Or were we just, just, um, you know, honoring the kind of, uh, relationships that we'd had already? You know, that's what we knew.
1: Well, and I, I think, um, you know, I don't even know where I read this, or maybe it's just something I've heard multiple times, but even... Um, with my own history with with the Cherokee, you know, Mm. we we were pushed um, to Oklahoma from our homelands, which are now uh, North Carolina area. And um, a lot of people have wondered, why was it then, you know, in the mid 1800s that that removal happened? And the saying has it that there was, I mean, I, I hate to be like, you know, Whatever, I'll put it out there. So um, it, the saying was that when, when the French came, they were so outright mean that the Cherokee knew not to mess with them. Mm. And then when the, the British came later, they befriended them because they were sneakily mean. They, mm-hmm. they gave, like you said, that facade. Yep. Um, so I, I think that you're onto something there because there's different ways um, that you can kind of infiltrate. A group of people in order to get what you want, and it's not always about um, powering over and and taking what one wants. It's sometimes being not like sneaky, slimy. Uh, you know, I'll pretend to be what you want me to be so that I can end up being uh, mm-hmm. the bad guy in the end. Mm-hmm. And and I think parasite is is pointing out something there with the the poorer family you know they are saying like he's basically asking who is the parasite if we mm-hmm. are all if we are all wanting this typical success of a big house and money and um nice things a driver a maid uh, um the best tutors for our children and isn't that just playing into capitalism which is a mm-hmm. direct effect of settler colonialism mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of why it applies so much to um, even North America, even though this film was korean it's It's a South Korean film so yeah
0: yeah you know and, and I'm just going to jump in and say and say this you know in terms of uh, chasing after the you know the, the the things that someone else has what's interesting is that uh, indigenous people as you know um, lived with the land, lived a light yeah. on the land, and weren't trying to uh, I, from, from, from my understanding, uh, do at least one upmanship in terms of who's got a bigger house, you know, uh, that right. kind of thing. And, uh, and by the way, I just want to jump in and say this, you, you mentioned, uh, uh, Oklahoma, uh, my own part of my own heritage is Lenape. So it's, you know, oh, right in yeah. the state of Delaware, uh, which are Delaware, as we all know. Um, and, um, so yeah, part of my heritage is is that uh although my my community is six nations here in in uh, in Canada. Um and my other side is uh is Welsh, uh but uh, you know, it, it's nice to talk with someone south of the border that's fairly close to where my <laughs> original people come from.
1: Yeah, yeah, and you know, um It's very interesting because living in Oklahoma, you know, we talk about the failure that our education systems have kind of Mm. taught us. Uh, In Oklahoma, I basically thought that the five tribes that got pushed to Oklahoma were the only Native tribes ever. Mm. Um, So, you know, moving to New York and now I have... um, I've made family with other Indigenous people who are, you know, uh, First Nations and, and, like, I have friends who are from um, Hawaii but are native Hawaiians, you know? Mm. So it's like when you start seeing that the same story happened in different places and affected different groups, mm. it is nice to kind of see, you know, the difference. And, and living here in, in Brooklyn, it, you know, I am on Lenape land and yeah.
2: specifically
1: Canarsie. Yep. Uh, and so it, there there's a connection there that now i've learned about a different tribe than my own which again it's like if, if as a native person i still had to figure out that there was more than my five tribes because you know it's it's not taught it is not a basic history around uh native people mm-hmm. uh that that were being kind of told to embrace and if it is it goes back to that kind of they're set in the past or romanticized or uh, commodified, which is what in the movie, you know, the mom talks about, oh yeah, we bought it from some American online store. Um, And so (laughs) (laughs) it's like, you know, okay, well, we're real people. Um, (laughs)
0: Hmm. Yeah, right. Yeah. Very interesting. uh, All that. I just want to jump in. I'm sure you know that a lot of Lenape and that's why I mentioned uh, Oklahoma. A lot of Lenape people yeah. also ended up in, in Oklahoma as well.
1: Oh, well, and that was the thing, you know, even in Oklahoma, it's like, we, like I said, the five tribes, the five, mm. they call them civilized tribes, is what mm. I learned about. But then it's like I started learning about, um, you know, like you said, the the different like Delaware group that got pushed. And um, oh, goodness, I have a, um, I've talked with a film director who, um, oh, my goodness, I can't think of her tribe right off the top of my head, but, no you know, and, And I didn't even know that she had a, that that was a reservation in my own home state.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Um, So it's really something that, that I have, have made it my own personal goal is to learn about other indigenous groups and how they honor uh, the land and their culture in today's society. Um, Just because it's not always easy. Um, It's not always easy to connect with with the land when you're in a big city, or mm-hmm. you're displaced from your homelands, or um, so it's, it's always nice to see what different people are up to, whether it's learning their native language while they're far away from their home, or family, mm-hmm. or, um, but that's what's also so great about technology nowadays, is now I can you know, talk with you, who is, like you said, like across the border, mm-hmm. um, and, and so you start learning about the different perspectives in a very first-person point of view. It's it's so refreshing. Right.
0: I'm just going to jump in and, and let everyone know you're listening to Moment of Truth on Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa. And uh, you can also listen on the Radio Player Canada app anywhere across the country. If you download the app, type in 106.5 ELMNTFM or 95.7 ELMNTFM and listen on your device of choice 24 hours a day, seven days a week. My guest is Shay Vassar. She is a Brooklyn-based Cherokee Nation citizen. She calls herself a uh, writer, focuses on film representation. Uh, now, Shay, I have to ask you about this one, a Rogue One defender. Yes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, so I'm a, I'm a be- huge Star Wars fan, mm-hmm. um, and I think you know, I wrote a really long, it started as my exercise when I was just commuting on the subway back and forth to work. Mm. And um, I just started writing about how much I loved the movie because um, I didn't really connect with The Force Awakens and and mm. that trilogy that, that just finished. And so I started writing about Rogue One because it was kind of my comfort film, which everyone's mm. like, it's such a sad film. <laughs> um, <laughs> So, I started writing about why I really loved it, and i and I realized that there's there's such a a different tone to that movie than some of the other um, new star wars and and it kind of reminds me of um, basically, if you took the ambition that Princess Leia had in episode four, very nerdy talk here but uh, <laughs> and and you put it in a film and you explained why she had that ambition and so I really like the idea of. People who are not necessarily special, because the Star Wars universe has talked for so long about the Jedi and the Skywalkers, and they're you know born and they're special and they're they're great, mm. whatever. Mm. Um, <laughs> but Rogue One really gets into um, just the common people who have hope and who mm. want to see good happen at any um, at any expense, and I think that that is really special and it's really something that um i like to to try out to apply to my own life is i want to do the right thing for the right reason and Mm. that's kind of what this group of misfits in rogue one does um so yeah that i could talk about rogue one all day don't don't ask me about star wars
0: (laughs) okay no worries Uh, thank you for that though it's great and and thanks for pointing those those comments out uh, now the you know we should get back to the to parasite for a minute but i also want to ask you because you you've also done uh interviews on, on other films you know jojo rabbit the irishman the body remembers when the world broke open that's another film that we've we uh, had people in to talk about as well um yeah, yeah. so uh that's great that you you know you you've done these these other films you're all, you're also a member of the native american journalism association which is great
1: Yeah, yeah. I I try to, like I I stated earlier, I just try to, um, you know, part of that is learning about all different um, Indigenous groups. And Mm. I think the Body Remembers did a really good job at At piquing an interest to even non-native people, I had I had people who, when I was like, "You have to watch this film. It's on Netflix. You know, (laughs) it's so beautiful." They're like, "Oh yeah, it's just because it it has native stuff in it." And I'm like, "No, it's not just because of that. Like, it was just a beautifully done film." Um, Mm. And so I it it taught me in just its simplicity, Mm. um, some of the tensions between uh, you know different. Uh, Canadian groups and mm. that's again something I've never been to Canada mm. um, it, it's on my list well
0: shame it, on you
1: I know I know <laughs> I, I eventually will get there it's been on my list for a while um, and especially being in New York I, I feel like it's a mm. bit like too close mm-hmm. um, but it, it kind of opened up some of uh, some major questions and I, I've been able to talk to um, some First Nations people about them and that's really nice
0: Mm. Yeah, well, you should come up and, and uh, visit us and visit uh, your indigenous uh, friends and relatives up here. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's lots of uh, great uh, events that happen uh, once things get rolling again. Of course, um, yes, <laughs> and we're able to socialize uh, in somewhat to normal circumstances. Um, but anyway, I want to get back to parasite. We're coming. Uh, we're we're getting close to the end of our time. But uh, you know, one of the things that I thought. You mentioned about the cinematography of of the film and and uh, how how it was uh, it was well done. Uh, the flood that was in the film. Yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that was a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, it's just it was incredible to see. I mean, I don't know much about um, you know the South Korean. Mm layout of Mm -hmm. of certain urban areas but i thought it was such again it it, film brings you and transports you into a world that you haven't even visited in real life Mm -hmm. and and i think that that was what was so special about that specific i mean my favorite parts of the film were probably when uh the poorer family are still at home and they're they're doing the pizza boxes and they're trying <laughs> yeah. to find the Wi Fi, you know, yeah. from their yeah. neighbors. Just because it, it was so relatable and it was so like I felt like I was there. Mm. So when when that flood scene happens and there's you know, all of what they have yeah. is just completely ruined by the worst of the worst, uh, you know, because that's obviously not like clean rainwater. Nope. Um, <laughs> so that was, you know, it was just, y- you really felt that. Um, mm-hmm. Again, living in New York City, I've seen puddles of water that I'm like, even with major rain boots on, I would not touch through. And that's kind of what I imagined. And so it was just... Um, I mean, as much as the question of parasite is, who is the parasite? Mm-hmm. I think that there are moments where the, the poor family, you just, you really feel for them. Um, mm-hmm. and, and you kind of, you kind of have a compassion to why they do have yeah. have this want to be the rich family.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You do. You get that. And, and, you know, I, I mentioned off the top that uh, I wasn't, necessarily as offended as I thought it would be from some of the use and some of the imagery and and some of the things they were they were doing like the war bonnet at the you know the the the, the birthday party scene right. but i think that's because of the look on kim's the, the father's face you know not the, not the wealthy family but the the poor family there was a look on his face that somehow spoke to me and said why, why are we doing this? Why are you dressing me up like this? It it was kind of like, this is offensive or something. I don't know, something spoke to me from his face when we first saw him in that scene.
1: Right? No, I, it's, it's very much probably how a lot of our faces feel whenever Mm. we get asked the Mm -hmm. question of, you know, um, how native are you, or yeah. like what how much yeah. native blood, or <laughs> right. my great grandmother was, you know, fill in the blank. And <laughs> and that's kind of where again, if if you know what is being commented on there, you get such like a moment where you're like, This shouldn't be a birthday party theme. <laughs> right. Like this should not be something that that two grown men are are dressing up as and and making the kid feel like he's the good Indian or, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. this, this shouldn't be a thing in 2000 and well at the time 19. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so I think that it, it definitely has an interesting connotation and, and um, you know, I, I, I mean, yeah, I'm a little harsh on my article just because I'm making a lot of points. Uh, right. <laughs> but I, I have a lot of, of uh, indigenous friends who are like, I actually didn't, Like I got all of what you were saying and Mm. I didn't really mind the film. And Mm. and I think that that's fine. I mean, I I don't think it's a necessarily problematic film um, due to its use or Mm. any of that. I just, I love giving context um, because obviously if you give context in a film like Parasite, it would take away from its message. So I like to think of what the points I was making as just like a... um, like a like an extra, like it would come with your DVD version of it, mm. and it would just mm. kind of expand your experience with the film right
0: Well, hopefully, what we are discussing here is something that other people will be discussing, and hopefully trigger uh, conversation about uh, you know Native American people and uh, the troubles and uh, representation or lack thereof in in, in, her- in history and in North American. Uh, present uh, situations, uh, you know, and I really want to thank you for coming on the show today. It's been great speaking with you. We want to thank you for uh, taking the time to do that, Shay.
1: Yes, and thanks again for having me on. I could talk about movies and Indigenous representation all day, so.
0: (laughs) Well, then I guess we're going to have to have you back on.
1: Yeah, just let me know. Right now I'm free, so.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, yeah, I hear you. Great, thank you so much.
1: Okay, talk to
0: you later. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. That's Sheva Sar. She's the Brooklyn-based Cherokee Nation citizen writer who uh, focuses on film representation. She's a coffee drinker, rogue wonder defender, and Oklahoma City uh, Thunder fan. And she's also a member of the Native American Journalism Association. It's been our pleasure to have her on the show. Don't go away, because we're going to be right back here on Moment of Truth with more, right here on Element FM. Now back to Moment of Truth with David Moses. Element. Element element fm your host david moses you're listening to element fm in toronto and ottawa and you could also be listening on the radio player canada app if you've downloaded the radio player canada app and type in 1065 elmntfm or 95.7 ELMNT elmntfm you could be listening on your device of choice anywhere across the country 24 hours a day seven days a week It's our pleasure to welcome our next guest to the show, Anna
2: Rudkowska.
0: Rudkowska.
2: You're very close. You're very close.
0: (laughs) Thank you, Anna Rudkowska, and she is a Ph.D. candidate with the School of Health and Rehabilitation Sciences at Western University in London, Ontario, and it's a pleasure to have you with us. We thank you for joining.
2: Uh, Thanks, David.
0: You know, it's it's interesting and, and somewhat awkward considering the topic we're going to be talking about today. <laughs> this is talking somewhat about uh, not only social distancing but the technologies to- technologies we are now using to communicate, such as uh, Zoom and other other forms of getting together online as we social distance and physical distance. Uh, and and that's what you are here to talk about today. And that is that that how. Even though these are great tools that we can use in these times, they don't replace having a good old face-to-face conversation with someone because of all the other things, uh, not only of of uh, what our body language can say, but looking someone directly in the eye, uh, you know, having being able to touch and give people a hug and those kind of things. Um, I th- found the article very interesting uh, that you wrote about, about this.
2: Mm-hmm. Thank you.
0: So and when I say it's a little bit odd, uh, right now we are talking, and here again, this is an audio conversation, so it's much like radio. Um, it's, it's, not a, it's not something we're using cameras to, to uh, look at each other and, and those kind of things. Tell me why you thought it was important to, to you know, talk about this.
2: I think the majority of people are now using Zoom, or FaceTime, or Skype, or these other forms of digital communication. Uh, A lot more, they've become a necessity. It's the Mm -hmm. way that we continue to do work, it's the way that we socialize. And this is true both for myself and my partner, who is the co-author on this article. Mm -hmm. And we found that even after having these social meetings on Zoom, like virtual coffee dates or virtual happy hour, um we were feeling very drained and almost exhausted and we thought that was kind of strange because Hmm. we were talking to the same people about the same kind of stuff that we usually did except we were doing it digitally and somehow that was leaving us uh feeling really really tired so we started to uh, research that a little more and that's how we came up with the article
0: now, when you say you felt drained, is that because some of the things you spoke about in the article is is that because we don't have that face to face, we can't see someone's body language, we can't see, uh, we can't look them directly in the eye, we can't see the nuances of when the conversation they're participating or 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 uh, adding to the to the conversation it, when it will end. So we're 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 heightening other senses to try and compensate.
2: Exactly. So, in a face to face conversation, um, for example, you can pick up on a lot of micro expressions. Um, so, when you're talking to somebody, they might react to what you're saying if it's resonating with them, or if they're bored of what you're saying. Micro expressions are these little changes in their face that don't stay there for too long. They're there for a fraction of a second. But in that fraction, our brain can actually analyze it and sort of tell us hey, this person's bored of talking to you, or this person is really interested in what you're saying now when you're having this conversation over zoom because of the camera quality or because of the internet connection you're now losing all of those micro expressions so instead of that process happening automatically without us noticing we are consciously looking for changes in facial expressions we are consciously looking for body language So all of these things that were happening in the background are now, um, like an actual effort on our part. And if you're doing that for an hour, that can leave you feeling really tired.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I I hear what you're saying. Um, now you said that you were noticing this, um, just in conversations you were having with people you would regularly get together with anyway and, and, talk with, um, and then you and your, your partner noticed that you were, you were feeling this. Um, so how did you start to approach the, the idea of what you were looking for or what it was that was you know, causing this?
2: Hmm. I think one of the first things that we started to think about was, how is this different? Why is this different? Hmm. And the first idea that came to mind was that we were communicating in two-dimensional space. When you're sitting in front of the screen, you're not moving about like you normally are. Um, And the first thing we sort of started uh, thinking about was FaceTime and how most of the time when somebody's using their phone, they're holding it with one hand. Both my partner and I, we talk with our entire bodies. Like we are hand talkers. Mm. And we couldn't do that while holding the phone in one hand. We Mm. could only gesticulate with one hand and that Even that felt incredibly limiting. Mm -hmm. Um, So we started brainstorming from there on. And then we started thinking, okay, well, what else do we not like about Zoom? And we both hate the fact that it tends to lag and people's faces just freeze, even though their Mm. voice continues. And that's a very um, almost upsetting thing that happens because you suddenly lose 50% or arguably more than 50% of information that you usually get when you're talking to somebody.
0: Yeah, that's a good point because when that does happen, and of course that wouldn't necessarily be the uh, the app or the or, or what you're using. It could be the uh, the internet connection, the, the you know how large the broadband is that you're using. Those kind of things. But you're right. When that does happen, when you get that freeze or that glitch, uh, your brain automatically and you you automatically start to go, what are they trying to say? What am I trying to? You try to fill in the gaps that are missing there.
1: Right,
2: and it interrupts the flow of the conversation. Yeah, um, but 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 you just mentioned a really good thing, and it gaps. Gaps are incredibly important in conversation, and very often you sort of gauge when the person pauses and what sort of pause it is, mm. and whether or not you can interject and now start talking. Versus in Zoom, because there is still a small delay, sort of in house sound is produced because we are on two computers. Um, you kind of, you miss that so very often you have people talking over one another and that's really uncomfortable
0: good point i guess the other thing of course is just the sound quality uh it is uh it isn't natural sound we're hearing that we would hear if we were in the room with someone else
2: exactly yeah you get now, a lot of background noise
0: yeah True enough, especially if you are, uh, as we, we've we seen with a number of uh, uh, meetings we've had with uh, staff our, ourselves, and uh, there's, as you say, there's lags, there's interruptions, there's someone making a noise, uh, and all these things interrupt and, and make you focus harder, and it, you're right, it's more draining on you. Uh, than being in a room where someone is shuffling a piece of paper or moving something that wouldn't necessarily be picked up as much as it does uh, when you're in a a conversation uh, on the computer or in a Zoom meeting uh, where that is all accented.
2: And, And just another thing that I just thought of right now, because we are having these meetings in our homes, I think a part of our attention is now diverted towards what's happening on our end. You know, is my dog suddenly in the shot? Can my boss now see my dog? Can <laughs> I see the mess in my room? Um, so I think that can possibly add to the stress and the difficulties of having these Zoom conversations because we are in a space that's, that's not designed mm. for work.
0: Yeah, that's really that's a good point because you are bringing people into your own personal space, and you're right. I think that we all probably do uh, think about those kind of things. Uh, good points, good points for sure. Now, there's a few other things that that you point out in the in the article that you mentioned with your your partner, um, and that is that um, there there's privacy concerns just using these these uh, forms of communication. Of course,
2: uh, we're suddenly. Uh, sharing a lot of personal data uh, via Zoom, um, via FaceTime and there have been instances where Zoom meetings were hacked and people were coming into these Zoom meetings Um, and I'm not sure that issue has been resolved yet. Um, I know personally for my lab uh, we just uh, password protect all of our meetings and we try not to share more than the work-related content. but uh, definitely could be um, could discourage some people from using these mediums for sure. And I'm not a com- I'm not a computer uh, tech individual, so I wouldn't even know the complexity that's involved in protecting uh, the privacy in in this sort of medium. It's mm-hmm. uh, it's definitely uncharted uncharted territory.
0: Yeah, right, uh, right. You are. Um- now, uh, I guess the, the other thing that you, you talk about is, as as you say, FaceTime, Netflix Party, Google Hang, Hangouts and, and Discord, those other ways, as well as Zoom, which we, we are using right now, of course. Um, but, you know, I, it's interesting. You, you have this point in there that, as you point out, the hacked meetings uh, sold to the dark web. That was something I wasn't aware of, that Zoom meetings uh, uh, accounts sold to the dark web.
2: Mm-hmm. So there were some records of this happening. Um, again, I, I don't think as the public, we have, uh, a lot of information about this. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously we're trying to protect the identities of the accounts that sort of have gone, uh, missing. It's, it's kind of scary. I, I gotta say that personally, um, as, thinking about my information being out there and um not being able to adequately protect it is uh it does make me think twice in terms of what i'm sharing via the zoom chat and sort of what's even in the background as i'm uh chatting via this via this platform Mm -hmm. but yeah
0: uh, you know, the other thing that you mentioned earlier was that people like yourself uh, that that use both hands to talk, very engaged and get very uh, animated in conversations uh, during something where you're using a FaceTime and you're on your phone, you can't do that because you have to hold the phone somewhat still. I know what you're saying about that. It's And I think that I didn't really... Um, Think too heavily about this before, but I think it's probably one of the reasons why I probably don't like doing those kind of things, because it does take away from your comfort of just being able to relax and and have a conversation or look at someone, uh, because you have this device that you you know it's, it's being called your your third arm now, I guess, your appendage, but um, you have to now take that into consideration when you're you're also speaking and, and having a conversation online
2: exactly and you have to also think about where we are in relation to the camera like if we're even mm. in the shot um, I also pace when I talk and right. I can't do that I can't carry my laptop around my living room in circles during a meeting um, and I, I think it, it drastically limits Uh, the extent to which people can express themselves uh, through the digital medium.
0: Now back to Moment of Truth with David Moses. Element. Element. Element FM jump in and let everyone know you're listening to element fm in toronto and ottawa 1065 in toronto 95.7 in ottawa and anywhere across the country if you download the radio player canada app and type in 1065 elmntfm or 95.7 elmntfm and listen on your device of choice 24 hours a day seven days a week uh we are are speaking with anna rudkowska i believe this rudkowska Rudkowska, Anna Rudko- Rudkowska, I apologize, and she's a PhD candidate uh, School of Health and Rehabilitation uh, Sciences at Western University in London, Ontario. Uh, we're talking about uh, digital ways of communicating now that we're into physical distancing and taking care of that and how it's uh, a very useful tool at this point in time, but uh, through Anna's article with her partner, and I'm sorry, you wanna, you want to pronounce his name?
2: uh his name is wuyo Sui, but he goes by yoa like Yoa with a y
0: okay thank you um and uh and in this article they're they're talking about how they first became aware of they started to feel sort of drained after being in a zoom meeting or or that kind of thing more than they were in a general just a face-to-face conversation and why that was happening um now uh I had another point to make and because we were talking about this, Oh yeah, I guess it was, um, you know, how, how, how technology might improve, uh, you know, to improve these things. And I'm sure people are probably working on those, but also I think you, you also point out that we're probably going to get burnout from this eventually.
2: I think we will. Uh, What everyone's thinking right now is one, the physical distancing measures are more relaxed. Um, are most of us still going to continue working from home? Are we going to continue socializing digitally? And I I really don't see that happening. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe a few more online meetings uh, will happen, but there's just something about face-to-face conversation that we still can't replace. And I don't know if we will ever get to the point of, you know, like I love Star Trek and Star Wars. So the 3D holographic, um you know, projections, maybe Mm -hmm. one day we'll get there. And that's uh, how we'll socialize and have meetings. But I think right now we just prefer to communicate face to face. There's just so much information that gets conveyed that way. And there's so much more ease in communicating in three dimensional space than sitting in front of a screen that the moment we can, we will go right back to just having these face to face conversations.
0: Now, that's interesting. I'm wondering, do you think that, I mean, we've had a number of conversations. We've talked a lot about how this is going to affect, uh, meaning COVID-19 and how the situation we find ourselves is is going to, uh, uh, you know, when it finally is is allowed to come to an end and we are getting back to some form of normalcy, whatever that might be, because that's the question. What do we want to go back to? Um, do you think, though, that that there's still a place for these kind of meetings for, say, business, uh, whereas more of our social and more of our personal engagements will be uh, on that uh, one-on-one physical uh, space, uh, seeing someone, you know, in, in uh, meeting them up face-to-face rather than online, whereas business might utilize this more? Mm.
2: I think at this point it's really difficult to project what the new normal will be. Mm. Um, It's also very difficult to think that we're going to go back to just um, how things were. There's definitely going to be adjustments. Um, And I do believe that these digital, these digital mediums are, are a great tool, especially when you're trying to reach people who are halfway across the world, or they simply don't want to spend an hour commuting into the office. Mm-hmm. um I think it's possible to utilize them in very meaningful and efficient ways uh like you mentioned especially for business um but I think uh, we're also not expecting to feel relaxed or as engaged during a business meeting as we do uh, during our hangouts with our friends mm. um so I-, I think there might be that divide where we have more meetings online um but we're also meeting our friends in person and we're hanging out in person um, with them.
0: Have you discussed this with other people in your, you know, in your world? Uh, and, and, and if so, what have they said back to you about about these ideas, about about you, you know, uh, getting burnt out and and uh, feeling the same way that you've been uh, expressing about what you're feeling from uh, doing these kind of things.
2: Oh, definitely, um, and I think there's a very uh, almost clear split in terms mm-hmm. of the generations of users. Mm-hmm. So somebody like myself, who is on the younger side and has Spent the majority of their life uh, growing up with some form of video chat or these um, digital platforms, it's a lot easier for us to switch over uh, to them almost full time
0: mm.
2: because there isn't a there isn't a learning curve. So mm. off the bat, it's a lot easier to start using these for meetings versus uh, for uh, other individuals who might be older for whom this is a newly adopted technology, especially if you are um, teaching or if you're facilitating a meeting, there's a much sharper learning curve and it's not very intuitive. And that in itself adds to a lot more frustration and agitation and fatigue. Um, But definitely even my peers, uh, within the first two weeks of the physical distancing measures, everyone was trying to have these online hangouts and very quickly uh, people have opted out (laughs) for having like one-on-one FaceTime chats because it was easier than having nine people on screen and having the conversation lag every one or two minutes.
0: Yeah, I think you're right there. I think it's like anything that's new or different. It's uh, exciting for a little while and then that rubs off and gets back to more practical use of things in in that regard. I really liked uh, what you said about uh, Star Trek. I'm a big fan myself, and and uh, you know the idea of perhaps one day communicating in that holographic form, because that's where I actually, you know, could see this going. I'm sure people are working on that right now to try to find out how they can improve that kind of, uh, of communication holographically. Uh, you know, think about if. If for whatever reason we were not able to uh, get back together to have large concerts or, or something like that, but they could be held virtually and and in a holographic form, you know. So uh, and it would be you know where it's in real time, where you can actually physically see the person next to you and see the band on the stage, and it's all in in real time, and it's just like being there, except it's uh, it's virtual, you know. Um, I, I, I think that would be pretty cool in some ways, um, you know. Uh, but the other thing that I think is that we haven't talked about with this is just being uh, exposed to more screen time in itself. As we all know, there's issues with the just sitting in front of a computer and being exposed to the, uh, the screens.
2: Mm-hmm. Definitely. I personally have found that my eyes are so much more tired Uh, these days even if I'm not actively reading something off the screen Um, and I think everyone is sitting just maybe in front of a screen uh, in front of their laptop or in front of their phones people are just sitting a lot more Mm -hmm. and um, that obviously has negative impact on your posture and uh, for some people on their overall well-being again personally I cannot stay in the same room or in the same space for a long period of time, I need to be outside in the sunshine, moving around. Uh, but now we're sort of almost tied to our laptops and our um, and our phones because it's become the way we uh, get any sort of food. If you have to have food delivered to your house, mm. um, it's the way that we're communicating with everyone. Yep. Um, so we're definitely a lot more uh, sedentary
0: yeah okay. yeah and and i uh completely agree with you on that um i feel it myself my legs start to get cramped up and i and, and i'm like you i like to be able to walk around and move and and not used to sitting as much uh for sure um when i was trying to and i know you you may not be able to answer this question but 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 what I was getting at with the screen, of course, is that there's also uh, things emanating from the screen uh, that apparently are not that healthy for you just in general, uh, in terms of sitting in front of a computer screen.
2: Hmm. That's very interesting. Um, I personally can't speak to that hmm. as a sort of outside of my area <laughs> of expertise. Uh, but I, I think just being in front of a screen and like, reading off of off the of screen and doing that, you know, there's a lot of blue light coming off of it. So if you're on your laptop or your phone without a blue light filter before bed, um, chances are you're having trouble getting to sleep afterwards, so you're mm. disrupting all of these other daily functions that you normally right. possibly wouldn't be.
0: Right. Uh, and is there anything else uh, or times are uh, coming to an end? I'm just wondering if there's anything else we haven't touched on that you think is important to mention just before we uh, close.
2: Mm. I'd just like to say that uh, if you are having a social meeting via Zoom or FaceTime, uh, try not staring directly at a camera. Maybe sitting at a bit of a three-quarter turn. Mm. Uh, my partner and I found that that feels a little more natural. Mm uh to converse that way so you don't feel like you're in a job interview all the time even if you're (laughs) hanging out with your friends and that way you're also potentially not staring at uh, your own video the entire time and potentially not browsing through the 20 other apps that you have open you're um, creating a more informal atmosphere and a lot of people may potentially find that a little more relaxing a little less stressful
0: all right. Nicely said. And it's been a pleasure speaking with you. We want to thank you for taking the time to join us uh, on Moment of Truth and Element FM to share these uh, really uh, interesting points about what is happening during this time and and our sedentary time of, uh, of COVID-19, as you pointed out, uh, with uh, self-isolation and uh, physical distancing. And so it's been a pleasure to have you on, and we thank you.
2: Thank you for having me.
0: All right. And that is Anna Rudkowska, and she is the Ph.D. candidate uh, Social, uh, sc- rather, School of Health and Rehabilitation Sciences at Western University in London, Ontario. Did I get that right this time? Yes, you did. All right. Thank you. been a pleasure to have her with us, and it's a pleasure to have you, our listeners, with us. We appreciate you taking the time to join us here on Element FM and Moment of Truth. That's our show for today. Please catch us tomorrow, and we'll have more exciting stuff for you right here. On Element FM. Thanks for listening. This has been Moment of Truth with David Moses. Element. Element. Element FM.